Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Dragoncast. Home of House of the Dragon. Gather your small council, send out your ravens and call in your bannermen. I'm Hand of the King Jamie East, here to guide you through the highly anticipated return to Westeros. Hello, hello and welcome to Dragoncast, home of House of the Dragon. It's me, I am your host and maester of ceremonies, Jamie East, and joining me this week for our regular and final roundup of all things House of the Dragon for this season anyway, is as always journalist, writer and the Laris encrusted tippy toes of the Queen Consort, Chris Mandel. <laughs> Darling, how are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm really good. D- what do you think? I, I was shocked when I, uh, when I joined the call and saw you in your finest. I, I knew you had long hair. Uh, I didn't realise it was quite so long when it was out of your top knot. <laughs> this, yeah, I, I didn't really have to. It, it's like it got torn out of the eBay packaging like literally seconds before we started recording. So I've not had time to kind of like do any of the fancy kind of mm. like that's what they do, isn't it? Like the I know braided, nothing about it. The, it's all that braided, kind of stuff. Yeah, I've only yeah. been wearing it five minutes. I already have a deep respect and admiration for any actor that has to wear a wig for any period of time because this is disgrace. It, it's horrible. It looks good quality though. You know, you yeah. look like you've been shampooing and conditioning that hair. You will note I've not lit my DS and Durga candle for fear that it may well be the last thing that I ever do though. It's pretty it's pretty flammable. Yeah. If you're listening to this yeah. and not watching it, do go and have a look on the... Um, the Dragon Cast YouTube channel, where you will see you see a grown man kind of unashamedly auditioning for season two of House of the Dragon. Ryan, if you're watching, call me babes. Call me babes, I'm here. I could be a Targaryen, I'd like to think. Are we missing any major characters? I think if you do a major time jump again in season two and you cover one eye, I'm thinking Aemon. Wow, I don't need to cover one eye. All I need to do is just pop one out and pop us, I'm going to say Sapphire. <laughs> is it Sapphire? Yes. Yes, oh, Sapphire. Right, enough of that, enough of that. We, we've got so much to cover. We've got loads to cover. Uh, just a quick reminder to like, comment and share this episode if you're listening to us uh, on Spotify or on Apple or on any of your uh, podcast uh, apps. Or if you're watching on YouTube, do feel free to leave us a comment to like. We'll go through, we'll have a little bit of a scan through all of the comments and all of the emails we've been getting because you know what? We've had flipping tons. And once we've finished talking about the episode, we'll give a quick update as to, as to what we think we're going to be doing with Dragoncast in the uh, the terrifying chasm of time that we've got facing us now between uh, between now and season two. But first, let's get stuck into our reactions for House of the Dragon, season one, episode 10, The Black Queen. I, I, I'm going to come to you first, Chris. Give me your yeah. initial guttural emotional reaction to, to to what you felt about the episode. It was just intense and heartbreaking. I thought for the most part, I thought, oh, this is quite a slow, this is a character study of an episode, like seeing Rhaenyra 
stepping up. It felt like an accompaniment to last week's episode, didn't it? The blacks, the greens, each getting their own episode, dealing with um, the death of Viserys. But yeah, my reaction was, I thought, oh, this is quite sort of measured. And then we had that incredibly tense, brutal fight scene in the skies above Shipbreaker Bay. Uh, it's just sort of mind-blowing. I mean, I, maybe I will caveat at this point, I knew Luke was not long for this world. Did you use that? Is that a book thing? It's just because I've interviewed Emma Darcy for ah, something. Okay. Okay. And it's not out yet, so I can't really say anymore. But okay. we had to talk a little bit about where the show kind of ends. And it was really difficult because I didn't really want to have it spoiled, but I knew I knew one Sorry. of the kids died and I didn't I, I actually thought it was gonna be the baby. I thought it was gonna be I didn't quite know it was gonna be Luke. But as soon as we saw them willing to go on these sort of um, messenger trips, I just felt like there was this. That's when I started to get this feeling in my chest that something was going to go wrong. And that reveal when Luke lands at Storm's End and he wow. sees there's already Vagar is just hanging out in the car park. I was like, oh shit, this is just going to go yeah, so wrong, it, isn't it? I must say, that's where that's where the back of my neck started to get a little bit cold. It was, uh, it was anyway, we are jumping way, way ahead. We are, but that was yeah. my reaction. That was my reaction was really intense. Yeah. You know, I, I was kind of similar. I felt, I, I remember pausing it at one point thinking, holy shit, I'm like 45 minutes in. This is nearly yeah, ending. Me too. I was like, oh my God, I don't yeah. want this. A, I was like, I don't want this to end, but I was like, B, I was like, something's got to happen, right? Because this seems... I mean, yeah. things things had already happened, but it felt quite, like you say, a character study, quite navel-gazy uh, and also quite slow. It did not feel, I think deliberately didn't feel like a traditional season finale for a, for the vast yeah. proportion of it. It felt like a season, an episode six or something like that. Where it, And yeah, it was, they set up so much for next season. They set up loads. There's just a sense, because there was bits in this episode of like, different parts of different kingdoms, different houses, a sense that the remaining characters will have quite a lot of roles to play. I think we're going to get a real sense of scope next year. And I think yeah. this first season needed to set it up quite intimately. And that is exactly what Game of Thrones did. You know, it was really self-contained. And I remember even like, because I'm like already sort of very much a House of the Dragon defender. I know a lot of people prefer Game of Thrones. Fine. But I think it's worth remembering that even the second season of Game of Thrones, it was quite slow. After Ned died, people talk about Ned getting his head chopped off as it was like a lot of the show was never the same. Yeah, yeah, there was quietly. a lot of a lot of Jamie Lannister sitting in a, a cell, or there was a lot of yeah. That that second season, I, it's important to remember, it's a real build up to the big thing, which was the Red Wedding in the third season. So you know, I loved it. It's a really exciting premise to go into next season. I think there's mm. so much to talk about. So yeah, should we should we start at the start? Let's delve into it. Let's go. Okay, yeah, absolutely. So the episode opened Lucerus at the war table at Dragonstone, stroking Driftmark. Uh, not a euphemism, but he was actually just stroking Driftmark. I loved that. Yeah. I, I was wondering, in the trailer that we saw last week, when we saw the kind of glowing, kind of like, almost like a gamer's table, it struck me. It was like a yeah. proper kind of like Comic-Con dream prop. There will be people already building one of those tables using LEDs and stuff. But I did yeah. wonder how how they how they how it lit and it was just a load of ikea tea lights underneath it which i thought was quite sweet yeah please don't try and recreate this at home though because it could cause fires if you're not using like obs you know, obsidian stone to build it out of you could yeah 
set your your dining get table on fire but you get a fail really yeah. loved that i thought it was really powerful and i think it, it really mirrored the intro for me where all that blood is running through those rivets you know it's it's it the map lights up in that episode which is a really nice visual and also like you said it was it immediately kind of subconsciously made of made us think of all of the other houses that we knew of in thrones most of them anyway like the tullys and and all of that lot yeah. and, and immediately started expanding the world of westeros beyond driftmark king's landing and dragonstone which is where pretty yeah. much all of this has been yeah and without knowing it we were, we were listening to luke's kind of goodbye really or at least a, a kind of um I, th- I thought all through this now that we know what we now we know how it ended you go we'll go back and watch it i've not had time to watch it for a second time yet but the the relationship between uh rainier and and luke was just was lovely there was that little stroke of the little yeah. finger uh, oh, it was just yeah what i really liked though was that like you know you look back on season one rainier wasn't really shown how to do any of this by, by viserys like he put mm. the pressure on her to to be his heir he didn't really sort of go her. And even in this episode, we saw Rhaenyra having her little team, sending them out. Like she's talked to Jace as well. And I think a couple of episodes ago about like, don't worry about learning High Valyrian. You just need to be like a good ruler and stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. So we got to see her sort of raising those boys really well and trying to like make impart onto them, like how to be a good, a good ruler and a good leader. And it was obviously just heartbreaking given that, you know, Luke doesn't come home from that trip. It's sweet. They're sweet kids. And it's just interesting just how it's, it's sometimes the children that pay the price for these like adult wars or these adult arguments. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because there are mirrors again, you know, between Luke and and Eamon really is that they both really want to follow their, their family name. They want, they want to be the ones doing it and they're, and the brothers not so much. Yeah. Am I right? Is that right? Am I right? Was Luke the heir? Was it, was he the oldest or the younger? Luke is the younger one. Yeah, that's what I thought. So so there's a, there's that similarity there where they were both yeah. kind of really earnestly trying to prove something to their folks, like learning High Valyrian, practicing their sword fighting, and Aemon clearly probably fit to be king far more than Aegon. And neither of them, neither of them quite getting it. I'm sure yeah. the, the old Westerosi psychologist would, would have a field day with that. Um, <laughs> what do we think about the way that Rhaenys arrived and kind broke the news to Rhaenyra and then also I found it quite weird I didn't really know where Rhaenys was going throughout a lot of this episode I thought when we saw her escaping she was like right fuck you I'm gonna go and wreak havoc I'm gonna cause a war I've, I've got to but actually she was still quite standoffish with Rhaenyra wasn't she obviously yeah. she still thinks that Rhaenyra killed her son She's... but I thought it was quite an interesting dynamic between the pair of them yeah I, last episode we thought Rhaenys fled King's Landing and was going to sort of join uh, Rhaenyra with no problems. And actually what we found out this episode was that she delivered the news out of loyalty to Viserys. Yeah. And she said, you know, you are his heir. They have usurped the throne. And then it took most of the episode for Rhaenys to sort of come around and, and fight for the cause. But I think, you know, she's very hard to read because she's been burned by this before. Her family is in tatters from aligning themselves with the Targaryens. And uh, yeah, she's she's not quite sure where she wants to plant her flag, but I think it sort of became clear after Corlys came back from his uh, six-year uh, reconnaissance mission. It, it was sort of cemented that, like, they've pursued the crown themselves, uh, or he, certainly he has. Over the years, that's cost them a lot, but this is not a pursuit of power. This is standing by their family and doing the right thing. Yeah. And in no uncertain terms, like, the Hightowers have usurped the crown. This is what really triggered 
Rhaenyra when she found out. Yeah, 100%. You know, as soon as she starts hearing the news, as soon as she finds out her father's died, she gets these pains. And it's, it's the, the injustice of it. Because I think for Rhaenyra, it's really hard to get her head around. Why have they taken it? Alison said at that final dinner, you will make a great queen. So why has she sat her son on the throne? So it's really, it becomes clear that like, it's an injustice. It's it's a really powerful fuck you. And it's something that they need to deal with if they want to move forward and if they want to survive. Yeah, Rhaenyra's response was was pretty visceral, wasn't it? And like you say, like manifested itself in the losing of, of the baby or the, the, the stillbirth of, of, of their child. And yeah, which was... I did not think there was going to be another birth scene this season. I mean, it was, it was, I, I, I've got a pretty strong stomach for stuff. That was, that was about as close to the edges I think I've ever got from just not I mean, being able to watch. It was, it was pretty. Am I right in saying like, cause I could barely watch it, but the baby had a, like, was missing a skull. Did you notice that? Yeah. It was like, so it, was, it, was, really... it was, it was, it was clearly never going to, to, to reach, never going to be born, born alive. Yeah. But... So it's way too early. The shock as sends her into labor, basically. I think she knew as well. I think that's yeah. why she refused the help of the um, of the sisters. The midwives. The midwives, yeah. yeah. They, I read online that that baby was her only daughter. That was a girl. Oh, man. That was stillborn. And I think that's so interesting that she's now lost a mother, father, son, and daughter by the end of this episode. And also, wow, I yeah. think the symmetry of her mother dying, trying to give birth to a son, Rhaenyra surviving although she has a stillborn daughter yeah. is really interesting. And I think the fact that this, this moment that she was waiting her whole life for, which was your dad's died, you need to ascend the throne. Her body is fighting this other battle, which is yeah. she's going into labor and she's right. come away from it. Kind I feel of faintly ridiculous talking about this kind of wearing this wig actually. So I'm going to have to remove this because I need to put on my headphones yeah. and my glasses because I can't see anything or hear anything. But, but do carry on, Chris, please. <laughs> so I thought by the end of this episode, Rhaenyra has gone through what her father and her mother have simultaneously, you know. And it's just a really, really fascinating character study that she's she's survived what killed her mother, but also she's lost a child. Well, she's lost yeah. two technically, which is what her, her parents have both gone through. And it's interesting, again, there was a funeral for the child. Yeah. Which we had one in the first episode, which Viserys watched his own yeah. child's funeral. And we see Rhaenyra do that. So we're seeing her in quite a condensed period go through these major character beats. They don't muck around either, do they? She was back on her feet. You know, I know there's, there's not, not much maternity leave in, uh, in, in Westeros, is there? One of the, yeah, one of the big injustices though is when she's supposed to do her duty as heir, she is incapacitated because as women, the society expects them to just, you know, get in the stirrups and put out some kids. And it's so interesting watching her kind of conquer that in a way. And, mm. and refuse to be defined by that and get back out there. Um, I thought Emma Darcy was just amazing in this episode. Oh my God, yeah. I mean, the awards judges have got a right fight on their hands between Paddy, Emma and Olivia. It's just, it's yeah. crazy. It's whether, yeah. or not I th- whether or not I think they all go for principal actor or supporting actor, that'd be a difficult one. Arguably, Paddy could probably go for principal actor, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, that's, I think so. I think we're winding so. just slightly a bit because one thing in the scene where Rainey's um, broke the news to Rhaenyra, which I thought was really interesting, was was Damon's reaction and and the relationship between Damon and Rhaenyra throughout this whole episode was mm. was was starkly excuse the phrase starkly different to the one that we left them with when when we saw them leaving King's Landing. We saw them leaving King's Landing as this kind of like slightly cool couple who were kind of like had each yeah. other's backs and were pretty unified and were together through thick and thin. And yet we meet Damon 
looking pretty bloodthirsty and pretty mm-hmm. angry. And again, I think it was said, I think it was Rainey's that said later on, you know, the reason that she chose Rainier was because she'd seen her being the only one that, that wasn't, uh, she had all this, she was surrounded by men desperate for a war. Or she said something like that, didn't she? And Damon was pretty thirsty for a war in the same, the same as Corliss was with, um, with Rainey's earlier on as well. So maybe th- there were some similarities there, but Damon felt kind of out of whack this episode didn't he what did you think yeah it was kind of a, rem- a reminder that he's not an aspirational person i think we've sort of got to know him quite well this season he started out as very violent i mean he's constantly been violent let's be honest but like there's been yeah. moments where i think we've seen a softer side of damon and i think matt smith plays the duality so well that sometimes you find yourself being like oh he's great i love damon and then it's a reminder this episode that he can be incredibly violent to his own wife and niece and also that um i think he's really gonna struggle with his wife being queen because we can see like she's making the decisions and he responds to her and that's so interesting to me that this is something matt smith had to do on the crown as prince philip he had to defer to a sort of revolutionary woman in charge but the big thing that we should talk about is when she reveals the song of ice and fire to him which he didn't know about and his reaction to that was was quite violent, wasn't it? Yeah, so he grabbed it, grabbed it by the throat. And do you think immediately his anger was because he hadn't been told that? Yeah, I think there's two things. I think the immediate anger is I've always been overlooked by Viserys because he never told me about this, mm. right? Whereas Rhaenyra knew when she was like 14. Yeah. So I think that's the first thing. But I think he sees Rhaenyra and he goes, "You are. I thought you were a dragon. You're sounding like Viserys. You're, I've just basically married my own brother. Like you're talking about prophecies and dreams and this is not Damon's world whatsoever. He's like, dragons are what we need. We've got nukes that we can conquer them. And Rhaenyra's going, I heard about this dream that's really important and we shouldn't do that. You know, Rhaenyra is very Shakespearean, this curse of knowing something and no one believing you. And I thought it played out really well. I think think she's trying to figure out how to be... Uh, a Targaryen, but she's also trying to figure out how to bring the realm together and she can't bring the realm together and unite them if she burns all of them down. And that's sort of what happens in Game of Thrones, right? With Daenerys. Yeah. yeah. Well, she, I mean, she says she she didn't want to rule over a, over a country of ashen bones, wasn't it? Or something like that. It's very clear from the writers a nod to what will happen, which Mm. is that Daenerys does get the throne, but literally the walls of the throne room are completely destroyed and there's no people around and there's so much ash that it looks like it's snowing and you know it's just it's like you don't want to rule that and so yeah i thought that that stuff about the dreams was interesting i mean somebody mentioned online because i had a bit of a browse this morning after watching the episode all the way back in episode three viserys and Alison are talking and to viserys dreams are more powerful than dragons there is a quote that he i'm going to just bring it up now He says, you know, what is the power of a dragon in the face of a prophecy? You know, Viserys sort of feels like the the prophecies tell us so much more powerful than dragons. Whereas in this episode, we get the flip side, which is, no, no, dreams can't help us win this war. We need firepower. We need, you know, to fight. Wow. I love that. The scripts, the the writing's been fantastic, hasn't it? It's been, been the, 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 the words have been beautiful. There's a scene I really liked at the funeral where Eric, Eric, Derek brings the crown. I thought that was really powerful where yeah. he, they, they feel like they're fighting this losing battle that no one believes them. And to have this young man who's not related to them 
go like I stole the crown for you. That was quite powerful, wasn't it? That yeah, it was a good, good moment. Also, it looked it looked great on her as well, didn't it? Yeah, we talked a little bit about the crowns last week, but Aegon the Conqueror's crown is this heavy, ugly, melty sort of roughly hewn thing. Yeah, it kind of feels like it's made out of lava, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and then the one that Viserys had that Rhaenyra now has, it's got all of the kingdoms on the sides and it's about unity and it's a little bit less ornamental. It's quite simple. And I just love that, what they're using with costuming and detailing in that way. So that was really powerful. You know, she starts to feel, Rhaenyra starts to feel that people will rally around me. I've got a good cause. And what the, the high towers have done is an abomination. Mm. And then we, we get the briefest of, uh, of Otto moments on the bridge. And again, yeah. mirroring back, there were so many callbacks to scenes that we've already seen in, in this season as well. There's the, before we even get to the actual last shot, we get almost a replay of, of Otto arriving at Dragonstone to confront Damon and Rhaenyra swooping in to kind of... Um, I loved it. To piss on their uh, violence chips. And yeah, I mean, I didn't think, I thought Otto was going to get it then. I did. I thought, I thought Damon was just going to strike him down. Yeah. I mean, they, why didn't they, they should have taken him hostage. Come on. Like this is, but this is the thing that they're all about. We can settle this as adults. That's what they think. Yeah. And the demands that Otto read out or really got good memory as well was that it revealed to Rhaenyra that, that some of the houses that she thought that had pledged their allegiance to her were, were wavering. I think the Winterfell was mentioned, or the, certainly the Baratheons and the Tullys. Am I right in thinking? I, I've again not a chance to watch this twice, but but there was the Riverlands, the Arryns. There was all sorts, wasn't there? He said, "You're going to need more than promises to fight." Basically, that like yeah. yes, they pledged allegiance to you twenty years ago. Some of those people, I mean, this came up last week too. Some of the men that made those pledges are dead. You're going to need to win them to your cause, essentially, and you haven't done that. Yeah. And you know. They are on the back foot because I think, yeah, sometimes this has come up in Game of Thrones before where people think their name alone and the principle of the matter will settle things. But, you know, she is still a woman in a man's world. And that's going to be the great test is how loyal are these people to you, actually? And you've already got the Hightower scheme and you've already got, they've already crowned Aegon. You know, they've already done all this. But Otto, yeah, he served her with some terms that were that she can stay on Dragonstone and that she'd have to swear allegiance. I think the two youngest of her boys, which are Aegon III and Viserys the Younger, were offered positions at court as cupbearers. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is very, yeah. this, this is essentially, you, you hear the term uh, ward used as well, which is what Theon Greyjoy was to the Stark, the ward. Yeah. It's essentially a political prisoner where they're like, you can work for us, you, you know, we'll probably Can't marry leave. you off to someone. Yeah. But like, if anything goes sour, you're dead. It's really yeah. brutal. And that's yeah. how it kind of felt. And Damon's response was, I'd rather feed my children to dragons. And uh, Rhaenyra ripped the hand off Otto's chest and called I him love a duck. Called him a fucking traitor, which was great. Um, there was also the moment Otto delivered. I'm sure most of you got this, but the the it wasn't a note that um, that Otto delivered to yeah. to Rhaenyra. It was the page from the book that the pair of them that, that Alison was reading around the uh, the weirwood tree, wasn't it? Yeah, right? and like I think it was literally episode one. And Rhaenyra ripped it out. Yeah. Yeah, and Rainier. I can't remember the, the specific reason that Rainier ripped it out. I'm sure it will mean something. Alicent was teach, trying to teach her about because, and this is something that's not that clear in the show. But Alicent is like really up on you know ancient Westeros history and everything. And this yeah. book was about 
Nymeria, who like was a warrior and a conqueror and this kind of thing. And Rhaenyra just wanted to like eat cake and, you know, fuck around. And, and so she kind of ripped it out quite deferentially, I think. That was- so I thought that was really clever, but very, the high towers are all about like savvy PR, right? And I think they, <laughs> yeah. you know, the optics of that are very smart. Give her this note. It doesn't actually, it's not, it's not a, a written note saying, please, please don't fight me. Would have done one thing, but Alison sends kind of an empty sentiment in a way. I don't know if that's yeah. an oxymoron because maybe you can't have an empty sentiment, but a gesture that should be significant. Well, I think it was just a tr- try and, trying to remind her of, of their friendship without without giving anything up. And it worked, right? Like she sort of did seem quite stunned by that. Yeah, and it would, she, there was a little tear and, and, after, and after that was when she said, I'll, I'll let you know what I'm up to in the morning. So does that mean that Otto is still knocking around? I presume he's gone back because it's so close. It's so close yeah, it's- to King's Landing. The thing that I really like, the detail that I don't know if this is in the books or, or whatever, but the sigil on Otto's ship was a three-headed dragon, which is the normal Targaryen sigil, but it was green. So the new oh. generation of Alison and Viserys' kids, they've taken the green of House Hightower and the dragon Merged sigil, together. and they've made a green dragon, which I think is really, really cool. And again, I think they were quite insulted when the, the, they heard that this boat was coming. They were like, well, they don't fuck around with it. the rebranding, do they? You know, there's a yeah. whole there's a whole team of uh, Hightowers on Photoshop just ready, aren't they? They're just. Kind I think of there's like- a. I think they have a Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen at court with a yeah. you know a, a, mo- a seashell motif here and a, a bit of. <laughs> You know, goat's Every, breath the stars paint. Are, just seven, seven pointed stars there. I see seven yeah. pointed stars there. Paint those fucking yeah. dragons green. I don't want to see any. I don't want to see any black and red. Okay. Yeah. I want. Where's saves. Andy? Andy. I want, yeah. If I had an Emma, <laughs> I want <yeah>. emerald. <laughs> I want moss. I don't want any fucking uh. red. <laughs> That's another. We yeah. talked with Matt Edmondson about spin-offs. Yeah. You know, I wanted the vet. I want, you know, what I now want is the interior designer. At- <laughs> oh, God. Just like the weariness. It's like, why the, where the fuck? Should we destroy all of these dragons? No, no, just, just tell you what, just go and put them in the, go and put them in the cupboard around the corner. They'll never know that because you never know when we might need them again. Put them with the Christmas decorations. <laughs> <laughs> we want to paint one of the dragons because they've got too many that are gold. They're like, we need a blue one. <laughs> Just start painting it like, uh, like the dogs at Crufts. But no, really interesting. You know, Rhaenyra just refuses for the longest part of this episode to turn this into a war and thinks yeah. that she can just diplomat her way out because that's what Viserys did. He sort of buried his head a little bit. And, you know, for the second time in this season, uh, we came within a hair's breadth of peace or or a kind of peace. So, you know, if it hadn't been for uh, Alison tucking uh, Viserys in and mishearing Aegon's dream we wouldn't be where we are now. And then secondly, if it hadn't been for what happened at the end, she'd have probably uh, maintained that kind of peaceful route uh, had had Luke not not been eviscerated. I think the thing that really upset them both was that thing about your, your younger sons will take roles at court. I think that's the thing where, because I, I think Rhaenyra wants to rule because she thinks it's her duty. I don't think there's any point where anyone is actually interested in governing the country, right? It's the principle for for the high towers and for Egon and and Aemon. Yeah. It's the principle for Rhaenyra. It's I have to see this prophecy through because that's what my dad wanted. Yeah. But like the thing that is hanging over them, the thing that is forcing them into action is: Are their children safe? Are they going to get slaughtered? And even if they're offered, look, you guys can stay on Dragonstone. We don't want it. It's shit. The threat is, but we're going to take two of your children. And I I think that yeah. is what 
causes them to really think we're not going to be safe. We're really not going to be safe. But then, you know, they stole the fucking throne. Like, what do they expect? <laughs> I know. It's, it's weird, isn't it? The audacity of it, Chris, is that's that's right. Honestly, the audacity of of, of, of Alison and, uh, yeah. and Otto, just to kind of go, well, we've crowned egg on now and loads of people saw it. So that's that. Yeah, Actually, they were a bit like, oh, you want to have the, Sorry, we just did a whole thing. Like we had a sold out. Yeah, did event you not hear? Dragon we, he, did you not hear? He, he, like, he held a sword. There were people there. Yeah. It was the party. I mean, the invites have gone out. That, you know, people. Yeah, yeah. They were like, we've got covered in grazia. We were in the Evening Standard. Yeah. Like it's been everywhere. You know? Did you not get invited? Everywhere. Heat world. But the thing that was really interesting was that Otto said to them, like, I'm going to see if we've got the, if we've got the quote. He's like, he's like, we had a coronation at the dragon pit. All the small folks saw it. They witnessed it. The sword, the crown, the banners, you know, it was, he was sort of really impressing on Rhaenyra. Like we've done all the PR for this. Like it's, set in stone and i think to a lot of the common folk rainera just they just they, oh she obviously didn't want to take the crown yeah they don't know they've not seen the contract they don't know the the negotiations it's just something she they didn't she know just went that- back, she went back to dragonstone that was that presumably half of them are dead now anyway yeah didn't even get to use their goodie bags from the party exactly. yeah they were just yeah. crushed before they could get home oh um, well, yeah the vouchers for acupuncture that you always get in yeah, those bags the tummy yeah. tea <laughs> the tummy tea The one thing that come up in this episode that is is quite a, a clear thing to mention is that Rhaenyra's team have way more dragons, right? The Greens yeah. have like three or four. Team Black have six or seven, I think. And then they've got all the wild ones. Yeah, they, so they went, you know, Damon, there was the very kind of like pointed moment where it's just like, well, there's such and such, there's such and such, there's three of them. I've got the eggs in incubation. Yeah. There are the wild ones. There's such and such. Uh, sea smoke is is knocking around. So all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Who's going to ride them? Do we have more dragon riders than dragons at the moment? We have more dragons than people that ride dragons. I, I actually have a list of... Oh, go for it. If, you, if you've got a list. Yeah, yeah, do, please. Let me go through the list. Okay. I actually wrote this down because I was like, this is going to be important. Thank you. Thank you for doing some homework. So on the greens, they have three adult dragons. Okay. Aemond has Vagar, the big lad. Yeah. Aegon has Sunfire, who I don't know if we've seen in the show. I don't think I've seen Sunfire. And Helena Helena, uh, has a very appropriately named dragon called Dreamfire. Ah. On Team Black, Rhaenyra has Cyrax. Mm Mm-hmm. Damon has Caraxes. Yeah. Rhaenys has Melise, yeah. who obviously left the Dragon Pit last episode. Yeah. Uh, Jace has Vermax. Yeah. Luke has slash had Arax. Yeah. And little baby Joffrey has a dragon called Tyraxes or Taraxes. Right. And okay. then we've got the Valarian grandkids. Baylor has a dragon called Moondancer. And Damon says in the episode that there is Sea Smoke, Silverwing, and Vermithor, who are all in the Dragon Mount, which is the active volcano on the island. That's where they've got the eggs yeah. from. That's where Damon yeah. goes in this episode. It's where just they all sort of all the rabid ones hang out. So one of Damon's daughters, obviously there's Baylor and Raina. I can't remember the other one. She I don't think she has a dragon. So there's one of right. those he's claimed. Yeah, because he went to test the waters. Does that not? I, I, I need to. I need to update my dragon law. Presumably, a Targaryen. Well, clearly, a Targaryen who's not trying to claim a dragon can go up to a dragon and say hi to it without it 
kicking off. Yeah, I was a bit surprised about that because I thought, first of all, you can't have, you can't claim more than one dragon. Obviously, Daenerys had three, but she only rode one of them. So I thought that was interesting. I don't know, but but maybe maybe he just wants to put a, a collar on it so that when his daughter wants to sort of claim it herself, she can. There was something there, though. There was the great shot of the pupil in Damon's eye. Oh, I uh, love that, yeah. Mirroring the dragon's eye, which was just brilliant, which made me think oh, there's, there's, there's a connection. That's what they're trying to show, is that is that Damon has managed to connect yeah. with this dragon, too. I don't know, maybe, well, I get it. We'll 100% find out. They've got loads, but, basically. They've got um, tons of the bloody things. But do they need, does every dragon need to have a dragon rider? I can't remember back in game. I think in, in well, Thrones... Well, no, because Daenerys, Daenerys had three... Daenerys only had her dragon and then the other two were, were just part of the fleet, weren't they? They they joined her and helped her. Yeah. I mean, I, I think in a war when both sides have got dragons, it, you need someone riding it. You need someone on it, basically. I don't think yeah. they'll sort of do their own thing. As we saw in, at the end of this episode, when they get a sniff of blood or they get their, you know, if they're in season or whatever, these these guys don't listen. Even, yeah. the, uh, even the experienced ones, even the, you know, when they've got a good bond. So, yeah, I presume next season we'll see a little bit more of like, different people claiming dragons. One thing I'm just wondering about is, you know, we know that there are Targaryen bastards out there. So presumably uh, maybe yes. some of those will join. I mean, it'll be a while before that baby that we saw at the fighting pits last week is able to stand on his own two feet and wipe his ass, never mind riding a dragon. But yeah. every everyone counts in this. But the big thing is that they're outnumbered. And, yeah. and as, we, as we heard, they've got, a, it, it's actually quite easy for them to just like raise King's Landing to the ground if they wanted to. Well, they worked it out, didn't they? There, there was that there was that moment of um, of, of map plotting where they realised actually, oh, this is a piece of piss. Actually, we just need to. Like, yeah, we can. I tell you what, that involves that involves Corliss, which we're going to talk about after the break. Don't go anywhere. We're going to go and have a quick word from our sponsors. You're listening to yeah. uh, Dragoncast, Homer House, the Dragon, with me, Jamie Easton, Chris Mandel, and uh, it's the final episode. We're discussing the finale of season one. And we're going to talk about that final scene. Back right after this. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend that I don't, right? <laughs> hold now. it in, hold on. And our current faves. And Luffy must have his due. <laughs> Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome. 
Welcome back to Dragoncast, Home of the Dragon, with me, Jamie East, and Chris Mandel. Say hello, Chris Mandel. Hello, Chris Mandel. Um, <laughs> thanks very much for joining us. Don't forget to like and subscribe and comment on on, on the YouTube channel if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, we, we just started talking about, about how the Team Blacks realised quite quickly that, that actually this could be a very quick war if they wanted it to be. They just, once Corlys Valarian had given his backing to Rhaenyra, it was never really in any doubt that he was going to do that. I don't think he'd have kind of limped his way over to Dragonstone and immediately went to bed. Uh, if um, <laughs> Bit weird, wasn't it? You know, if you turn up at someone's house, it's a bit like, do you know when Tom Cruise turns up at Kelly McGillis's in Top Gun and asks to have a shower? Yeah. I've always found it to be yeah. quite weird. That was a yeah. bit weird for, for Corliss just to arrive and say, I'm just going to go to bed. Yeah. Someone else's bed. It's like... S- yeah. Six years away from your wife, mate. Uh, don't get to bed Also, I don't, think they watch the sh- I don't think they watch the sheets that often in Westeros, so I was a bit... I thought, oh. No. Anyway. No. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So, so there was never really any doubt that Corliss was was going to bat. I think we all had an inkling that that, that was going to be Rhaenyra's path to uh, war, wasn't it, with, with Corlys by her side. Did you did yeah. you presume that as well? Uh, well, I, you know, for the last few weeks, he's been ill. He's been missing. All season, we've been like, what is going on with the Stepstones? These bloody Stepstones. And it sort of turns out that he's not only sort of finished that war, but he's installed people to like, you know, r- run it and sort of his own men are sort of there kind of keeping the peace. And now because they control that very narrow bit that goes into Blackwater Bay at King's Landing, they can basically cut off any supplies from the east to, to King's Landing. Yeah. So it's really strategic. It's, it's obviously, it's paid off. I mean, it's been a long build-up to the triarchy, quite frankly. But yeah, I think I think Corliss joining the team is really interesting because the thing that they would he's been doing all season is marrying his kids off to suit his family's need. And obviously now that both his kids are dead, well, we know one of them is yeah. having, yeah, just having an absolutely wild time at the uh, Pentos Raging around parties. Off, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pentos phone parties getting absolutely just hammered. Drag it, yeah. yeah. Seahorse sigil on his uh, thong and just living his best <laughs> life. So because his kids have died and he's got his granddaughters now, I think there's part of him that's like, I'm not, I can't marry my way into a a strategic allegiance. I'm going to have to just think about this a little bit differently. And yeah, he kind of, he kind of stands by Rhaenyra and and does his duty. And yeah, they've got now got this amazing fleet, which is a huge advantage because that means again, they can go anywhere on the coast. They can sort of attack if they wanted to. So it's really, really interesting. It felt to me like all episode, the odds were against Rhaenyra. And then we get more and more clues that like, oh, you you actually have got people behind you, yeah. which makes the sort of big twist towards the end even more heart Even more heartbreaking. delicious. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Really. Yes, yeah. heartbreaking. I, I said heartbreaking, you went, yeah, loved it. More, <laughs> more dead kids, please. That's officially quoting Jamie there. <laughs> um, but interesting, uh, did you notice that despite Rainey's, um allegiance, uh, she was the only one not to bow to the Queen? I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Just a lovely character detail, I think. She had this knowing, kind of like, almost kind of like, don't push your fucking luck, love, look yeah. on her face. It was like, I'll, I'll surrender to you, but on my terms, right? Yeah. Like earlier yeah. in the episode, Damon took two of the Kingsguard who were loyal to him. I think they were from the City Watch initially because they have yes. the white cloaks, right? He took yeah. them outside and was like, swear your allegiance to me again and my dragon will eat you if you, if you don't. That sort of thing won't work with Rhaenys, right? She's, she knows like it suits everyone and the blacks for her to be there and they're not gonna like they're not gonna be dicks about it so it's i think the non the not bowing was a real power move but yeah you know i wouldn't trust release well, d- that d- much 
Like I, it's right now, hard to know. No, where. It's, it's, there's a little. There is a glint there, isn't there? There's a little it's, glint. I, I think. I think what it is. Like I, I don't think she'd ever betray them. I think it's she's so checked out that she's hmm. just like, look, I'm not playing this. Like you know, I'm you, I'm here, aren't I? Like why yeah, do checked I? Out, so checked out. Checked out's a good. Yeah, it's like it's like when you're a kid and you're dragged somewhere on a Sunday afternoon with your parents. It's like I'll fucking come. I'll sit in the back yeah. of the car. Do not expect me to enjoy this. I will yeah. not partake in any chit chat. Yeah. I will, t- I will accept an ice cream, but I will not hold your hand. Yeah. It's basically me. If, if I had to go to the, if, if my mum needed to get a haircut and I'd have to sit there and read like Bella from, you know, 1999 think, look, I'm not happy. I'm here, aren't I? Yeah. I can't hear the conversation you're having because the blowers are on. Yeah. Don't make me join in. I'm too far away. I'm just reading, yeah. you know, Bella. Yeah. Um, which I, me I mean, if you're listening, script writers, we could, you know, if you need any gaps filling in with... Uh, we you know, could really polish up some of these season two scripts. Oh, oh. <laughs> Okay, so that takes care of oh, about 50 minutes of a one hour and 10 minute show. I think it was about, it wasn't, wasn't much longer than that. And you said you, as soon as, as soon as uh, the kids were sent on their messenger mission to House Baratheon and, and whatnot, yeah. that you, you started getting the fear. Well, it's the line specifically, he'll be, Lord Baratheon will be really happy to see you. I was like, <laughs> mm. yeah. So there yeah. was the other, who was the other Lord that wasn't much older than, um, older so than So that them? is Craig and Stark. Craig and Stark, that's right. Jace has gone there because he's a bit of a better flyer. He's going to the Eerie first and yeah. then he'll go to Winterfell. So I guess we'll see that next season, but he's younger, yeah. you know, us Northerners, we're canny, we're good crack, you know, we haven't got a yeah. stick up our ass like most of the people on this show. Exactly. So exactly. Th- that'll be lovely, I think. Yeah. Lord Baratheon, Boros Baratheon, I think is a, a tough cookie. And for those that can't remember, the Eerie is where the Moon Door lives. That was yeah, where the House Arryn's, Arryn, Arryn's the really the, tall tower. Yeah, and with the Moon the Door, sky. with the, with with where the where the little boy was suckling on his mother, age ten yeah. or sort of twelve bitty. or something like that. <laughs> yeah, mummy, one bit, I want bitty. Yeah, and I think so. We kind of got a, a hint. Just again, this is what I love about what I'm excited about next season is that like. House Arryn have married into the Targaryens. The Baratheons have married into the Targaryens at various points. So there's factions there, there's blood there. And yeah. the, the key is to try and sort of win them over. And then the Starks, they're such loyal followers of Odes. They never break an oath. So the idea is that in principle, they will yeah. support Rhaenyra because they're generally out the way. They don't tend to come south and get involved in stuff. So they'll back her in principle. I kind of think is that if you're a storyteller, if you're a scriptwriter, if you were George R. R. Martin, I'm not sure viewers will accept the Starks as anything other than fucking righteous dudes. I, yeah, I, I, you know, we, I'm really intrigued. Really intrigued. I'm intrigued as well. Maybe I mean maybe that's what the rugby pulled from under our feet. And actually, Ned Stark's great 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 grandfather is an absolute fucker that that, that was like yeah. that just out for himself. But I just yeah. I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure an audience would accept nasty Starks. Luke arrived at Storm's End and there was a storm. The mechanics of, of riding a dragon in that weather really were great. Really, yeah. I really felt cold and miserable and wet. And I have to say, for all of the kind of like architecture of the saddle and the, the mechanics of the handles and the reins and everything, you'd put a fucking canopy or something up, wouldn't you? 
Honestly, like one of those Fred Flintstones roofs on the cars yeah. or something. You just, know, like just the- something. There'd be, well, there, there must be a kind of Targaryen equivalent of a cagoule. Surely. Well, we've also said before, they've got these ornate handles and they're not like, what if we attach him with some sort of like thread? Like, like tie a knot around. Do you know what I mean? Like tie yeah. him on. I mean, it wouldn't have saved Luke. No, they would not have saved Luke. They could wear they a cloak have saved from- him, but- they could wear cloaks for murder, but not for rain. That's, that's I do think I'm. I think I'm right in saying that in the books, in, in Game of Thrones books, some of the the Northmen that like, live on the coast or on the islands, they have like seal cloaks. They have like uh, rain. They have basically like Stutterheim coats made out of like nice. sea lions and of- stuff because they're obviously a bit more in the weather, you know, in the the rain and stuff. No, I'm fairly sure that's true. That they they sort of wear like animal skins and things like that to keep all that off them. Yeah, and it's ominous, isn't it? You know, it's the it's the car breaking down outside the spooky haunted house kind of uh, scene, isn't it? Yeah, and then like you say, just looming in the in the background. Jesus and that, Christ, I mean, that dragon is so big. Because also, also, this is just a quick note. We've actually never seen Storm's End on Game of Thrones, even though the Baratheons were big house. Oh. That location's never been on on screen before which is really cool so i loved seeing it because i've never seen it before and obviously it's very close to dragonstone but it's in yeah, the yeah. crownlands right really sort of yeah. rough intense looking place and that's you know robert baratheon and these sort of burly lads who forged from the environment that they grew up on so yeah, yeah. but as soon as thought- as soon as we saw vegar it was just terrifying it was like, ah, fucking, fucking huge oh my god huge just like death. i mean i know that it's not real and i know it's not even there but just the enormity and the scale of it compared to Arax was just like, yeah. oh, it was just, it, it was, it was terrifying. It was it, it, far more than ever than Godzilla or King Kong. Well, it reminded me of those new Godzilla movies, actually. Those, those really sort of washed out colours. It was also yeah. like, it was very prehistoric. I think what was really heart in mouth, though, was there was a feeling that Rhaenyra had a smart strategy to like get some of these lords won over. And then you realise Otto's played them. He's got there yeah. first. He's got there with yeah. a big dragon because he probably knew that they wouldn't send one of their bigger dragons anyway. So you've got yeah. the big lad there. And yeah, Luke goes inside, meets Boris Baratheon. Is it B- Bormund? Boris? I can't remember his name. Sorry. Boris is a good name. We'll call him Boris. Boris, Boris and Derek. <laughs> and finds out, first of all, that he's not particularly hospitable. He's not very pleased to see him. And rather than deliver like a message, which is, you know, come to heal... Eamon has actually offered his hand in marriage and he's brought yeah. far more substantial words with him. So it just sours immediately. And it's really hard to tell, is this guy friend or foe? Is Luke safe? Do you think it was purely because Eamon had got there first or would the, would the reaction have always been like that? Do you think, do you think they've under, do you think they've overestimated their importance or the, or the, the, like you say, I think that's one of the key messages throughout the whole episode was how much is, how much is your worth, what your word worth? Yeah. You know? I think it's the, the way I think sending Eamon, who is also wants to marry one of his daughters is really smart, right? That's, yeah. you've got this dashing guy, big dragon, which is quite scary. And then you go, Marry into our family, we'll look after you. By contrast, you've got Luke turning up being like, my mum says he, she needs you to really be good on that claim that your ancestors made 20 yeah. years ago. He's a bit like... Please, yeah. Yeah, and I think they they referred like asking him to bark like a dog. It, it is, it's clearly... I guess it's to show us that Rhaenyra is not the political operator or the savvy 
politician well, that Otto is. Yeah, basically. I mean, it's like you said. She's she's purely born from. She's not there to 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 govern. She's there to to live out yeah. a prophecy. So, and the, and this re this this just kind of adds weight to that, doesn't it? Really, that she's yeah. She's not she's not really spent much time trying to second guess what people are thinking or what they might or what they might feel. She's just quite she's quite literally black and black and white or black and green about the whole thing. They're quite insulted when he's like, oh yeah, I, I'm actually betrothed. So like you can't, even if I was going to come here to like, I can't be married off. I've already done that. Yeah. So it's just difficult. And obviously, um, you know, Rhaenyra has more kids, so she could have factored that in, but you know, it's just been so hasty and they, they're, they're on the back foot really in terms of getting the word out. So yeah, yeah. it just, the mood drops, right? It's really, really tense. And you just think, Aemond out for blood. He wants an eye. There was a there was a red wedding moment there. There was a bit of a of the sleeve revealing the armor there, wasn't it? It was just like, oh shit, mate, you're you are now in some serious, serious danger. When when the Baratheons told him to fuck off, and there was that little fella there, yeah. little hobbit, little hobbit lad, just all on his own. It was okay. oh god. And, and Aemond, he runs. Just, oh. Well, but before fight, he runs, we see. Before he runs, yeah. we see the we see the eye, which was just fucking great. Oh, he pulls pulls back the eye patch. The really cool thing about having a blue gem in his eye, it honestly, he made me think of the Night King. He just looked yeah. like because of that blue. Eye. I was like, exactly. oh, it's really chilling. Exactly. It's really chilling. Yeah, yeah. But oh. he wants an eye, and I mean, I watched that whole thing thinking he wants to kill Luke. It's only at yeah. the very end of the episode, which we'll get to that I realised he's just trying to bully him. Yeah, right? I think he's just... Well, because if you remember when, when he was... The episode where they went on the side missions with their Shoreditch hats on and yeah. and trying to find find Aegon, Aemond is very kind of like procedural. He knows what's right. He knows what's expected of him. He doesn't agree yeah. with the fact that, 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 that Aegon is, is, is the king. He thinks it should be him because he's learned High Valerian. He's learned how to do this. He's learned all of the kind of, all of the bows and the curtsies and, 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 and all of that. So he knows that to actually do anything to, to Luke would have yeah. given him way to his emotions rather than what's right for the house, I think. And yeah, yeah. So, and, and it's such a show of strength to just intimidate him. And, and, you know, these kids are younger than Egon and Amond, right? He can, yeah. They can really in, inflict sort of generations of trauma on this family by just toying with them. And, yeah. but, if, but yeah, that's only after seeing the end. I was like, oh yeah, he's just fucking with him. That whole, I thought as soon as he landed at Storm's End, I was like, that kid's not coming out alive. Like they're going to betray him. It's a trap. So it's kind of interesting when, when it, when it gets to the chase that he's, yeah. that it, it was an accident, but yeah, he runs away and that scene of him running to the dragon was in the trailer for this episode. So we sort of, yeah. I didn't quite realize it was Luke. I didn't know who it was. And it's an amazing, amazing oh. like aerial battle. It sort of reminded me of something from Star Wars because Araxis kind of moves so fast and agile. He's like a little X-wing. And then you've got this big mothership just the shadow coming at it's like it's a bit like you know kind of moby dick kind of like going I underneath the underneath the boat it was they're oh, very um, they are like whales or sharks these yeah. these creatures sometimes and i think there was two shots there's one where 
Vagar goes underneath him, right? Like a, like yeah. a Jaws or something. And there's another one where we see him from above, and it's such an astonishing sense of scale between the two dragons. Yeah. It, it's like a, it was, yeah, it's like a jumbo jet going past going past someone on a hang glider, wasn't it? it was on a just, drone. It's going past a, a drone or something. On a drone. And just full credit to the to the CGI, to the stunt, to, to everything there, because I felt cold, I felt wet, I felt scared, I felt, I could feel the kind of wind, I felt kind of upended and it was it was it was like and kids that have been spoiled by cgi will, will not know what i'm talking about back when i was a kid and the only near the only nearest thing you could get to like ai or anything like that was going to alton towers or a theme park and you used to have to go and sit on the floor in a tent in like a, in like a domed tent and they would they would project the front of a roller coaster onto the ceiling in the front and you would felt like you were in the roller coaster now anyone that's got like a fucking oculus now would just be like you old but that is like the nearest I felt to it because I was swaying and everything. And then it was just, I've never had so much hope from a tiny crack in the clouds as I have mm. from that moment there, from when Luke saw that there was a break and that there was, a, oh. there was an exit from the storm, got through. <sighs> and then, holy sh! it was... It was, it comes was like, out of nowhere. Comes out of nowhere. And again, I'm going to reference something a little bit shit. Do you remember in Deep Blue Sea when Samuel L. Jackson gets snatched by the by that shark when he's giving yeah. that speech? It's yeah. exactly like that because you just go, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, there yeah. was no toying around. There was no, it was immediate. It was just, a, he just bit, th- bit I think the through. thing that oh. made it work as well was just how, particularly with Luke, it was obviously a CGI fight, but like, it didn't feel like that because I thought it was, there was so much focus on him as this little boy in the storm trying to get home. It felt like a real, like they really focused on the kid at the heart of it rather than like, oh, dragons. But we started to see both of the dragons sort of lose control. I don't know if you had the subtitles on, but- I did, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had the subtitles, but then also they translate the high, they're using High Valyrian and they're both saying like, obey, obey, obey. Yeah, yeah. Calm down, calm down. And actually it was, it was Arax that that, that went first, wasn't it? With the fire, yeah. With With the the fire. So so Arax- It did hit Vagar on the side, like pretty badly. Yeah, Um, and I kind of, I mean, fair play to Arax. I mean, if you're going to go down, go down fighting, probably not the best move because that just, that was literally a red- dragon to a dragon wasn't it the <laughs> red rag to a bull it was it was just like so if one of my mates uh my mate mike who actually does listen to the podcast so he, hopefully he'll hear hey, mike. <laughs> he sent me this meme that was um like <laughs> oh, my dog doesn't bite he just wants to play and then the dog is <laughs> because the dragon is like absolutely ferocious but you're like oh he's controlling the dragon he's controlling the dragon like this is going to be fine and then no he just chomps through chomps through Arax's neck. But no, I, I just thought that brief bit of respite where he clears through the storm and he's above the clouds and you think, oh, he's safe. And then he comes out of nowhere and goes through that dragon's neck like it's a carrot stick or something, right? Yeah, it was... Straight uh, in. It was brutal. And actually, for a second, I felt for Amund because he was just like, oh shit, I've gone way too far now. Yeah. And that was the it's moment crazy. that, that moment, you know, there've been two, two moments within season one. There was, there was the dream and then uh, the dream misunderstanding and then, and then this moment then, and which can only mean that the dance of the dragons uh, has begun a wonderfully written and directed moment with um, Damon walking into the, into the hall, mm. taking uh Rhaenyra by the hand and, and letting her 
and breaking the news to her. And the mirroring, the final shot mirroring uh, young Rhaenyra doing exactly the same was just, ah, the the look on Emma Darcy's face was was just fierce. It was just, it was, yeah, I thought it was amazing. Rage, terror, oh, anger. It was, it was just, it was just brilliant. It was just so, so good. What I'm really intrigued about is, is Eamon going to sort of, is he going to be at spin this? Because obviously the news has come that like the, the dragon had his neck ripped off. The boy fell into the water and died. Like how just are they going to... in half, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, you saw, yeah, bits of dragon just like yeah. falling through the sky. But yeah, I mean, it's war now. That's it. That, that was the, yeah. on the inside of the episode, it's like Rainier returns and it's like, right, we have to hit them. Guys. Because, yeah. and I, I, I think it's really interesting that like Eamon... Eamon didn't mean to do it. I think apparently in the books, it's a little, obviously because there's no witnesses, the intentions are a little bit harder to read. So framing it as an accidental act that claims a child and a dragon and ignites the whole thing really is a really interesting choice. But that's also like, you know, Eamon does look 38, but it's important to remember that he is supposed to be like 20 and he's new to, he's young as well. He's green literally in a lot of ways. And so it's just spiraling. And I think both parties are just going to be completely thrown if, by how fast it's accelerating. And if there was anyone's child, he didn't want to kill, it would have been Damon's because those two have got beef anyway, haven't they? There's that, there's that simmering tension. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So it's going to, it's, it's, it's going to be fantastic. Now, listen, we're going to get together in a few days' time and and kind of talk about the future, what we think season two could like. I don't want to give the game away, but we have two very special guests lined up for that episode. Um, very excited who, about that. <laughs> who will who will be able to give us uh, some um, some some extremely good insight into where some of those characters and storylines may well be going. We don't know any more than you in terms of when season two is going to air. I'm sticking to my guns, and I suspect it will be spring 2024 which sounds horrific we've got a plan though chris right we've got a plan which we which we'll we'll talk about in the next episode i think yeah actually we're gonna we're gonna keep going is the is the is the answer we had so many so 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 many emails and and likes and i'm not just doing this in the same way that someone off love island says for all those asking this dress is from uh, a pretty little thing it's genuinely we had so many people uh, getting in touch asking us to keep going and we so Mm. we are i don't know if we're gonna do it weekly that feels like it's a you know it's quite a lot but there are other series coming out that we do want to talk about. The Last of Us mm-hmm. is coming out. Succession's coming out. There's, you know, I'm a big fan of his Dark Materials. There's, you know, there's all sorts. There's quite a few. There's quite a few good shows coming up uh, over the next kind of twelve months that, that I'm sure that Chris and I would will enjoy talking about. And I'm sure there's cast and makers and whatnot that would love to, that would love to have a chat to us too. So we are going to keep going, mm-hmm. and we are also going to be delving back into into the Thrones land. But in in a, in a slightly different way, I, we had people saying, "Oh, we should go back and 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 do a complete rewatch of Thrones." I'm not sure I'm ready for that yet. I've lived seven years deep entrenched in in Game of Thrones land. I'm not sure I'm <laughs> quite ready to go back and do an episode by episode breakdown of of all eight seasons of, of Thrones. 
but we're, we're probably going to pick a, a choice or maybe you're going to pick them for us. We'll find out. We'll, we'll work that out for the next episode. Uh, but Chris, if you could summarize season one, what, what would you say? You know, one thing that we, that we did say that we're going to do later on is, is go back and revisit our first episode that we talked about before we'd seen any of it and see either how yeah. right we were yeah. or more, more, more likely how wrong we were and see if our feelings have changed really. How, how are you feeling about it now? Yeah. I'm feeling really devoted that it's over. Like I, I'm just like, can't believe that's season one done. I mean, it's been, a, we were saying it doesn't feel like it's flown by. It feels like because we get to yeah. do the podcast every week, like we're getting to really chew through it. Um, I think it's been, I think it's been brilliant. I do think that the time jumps have made it hard to be really rooted in what's happening in a way that yeah. it's quite a unique season of television in that, in that regard. But I think the thing that's anchored it is just amazing acting. And I think, you know, just kind of with our backgrounds, like one thing that we have on our side is that the potential for this to get even better is there. And I think that's what excites me, definitely. So I just think, I think season two is, you know, I've always said this before, because, you know, a lot of people will know this, but I do write about telly quite a lot. And one thing that you never want is for the best season to be the first season, because you have nowhere to go. So I'm just really excited about, we've got such a brilliant sort of powder keg of a first season. It's ended spectacularly. And I just can't wait to see how it builds from there. And I think it's just going to be brilliant to watch. So I think it's great. And I think also, I would say it feels really different to Game of Thrones. I think the central problems and the central issues and things that it's dealing with are very different. And I think that is what makes it so much fun to watch. It doesn't feel like a rehash of anything. First and foremost, like a lot of people, I feel relief that it was good. <laughs> and and I didn't realise yeah. how much I'd missed the world uh, until it started again. I was so exhausted at the end of mm. Thrones that I was quite happy for it to kind of like be rested and to go off and watch other things. And, and then it seemed to come back quite quickly. How's the drag, you know... It, and you know it went really quickly but it seemed to arrive quite quickly as well i think from this we were talking about it the other day from the first photos that we saw on the beach in cornwall to actually yeah. sitting watching the first episode it actually felt relative felt like quite a short space of time i know we had a bit of a pandemic to be dealing with as well but yeah it's very difficult to think of any missteps i can't think of anything that was bad really the casting was incredible i guess the time jumps were contentious for a lot of people and 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 unsettling and quite discombobulating but like we say i don't really see any other way they could have got to where they got in in episode 10 without having done all of that because we would never have had the relationship between alicent and rainera as children we wouldn't have understood really the the Rainey's relationship to, to, to Rhaenyra. We wouldn't have, have got why Alicent and, you know, the whole, there was no other way yeah. of doing it in such a short, short space of time. And, and I don't think, you know, and I think if that had gone the other way and, and we'd have still, yeah. episode 10 would have been, I don't know, Otto <laughs> leave. Yeah. Like the first time jump, people have the been like, time nothing's jump, happened. Yeah. I think the big thing to wrestle with is that like, if they couldn't do the slow burn thing that Game of Thrones did because no yeah. one makes telly that is eight yeah. seasons long anymore. That That is an institutional change. And I think we talked about this a bit last week after we finished recording that like, you're never going to get that. So what you, what you're getting instead, this is the the best version of what you liked about Game of Thrones. Yes, it is a bit quicker. It's jumping around a little bit. We're not getting the, you know, we're not going to get like a whole season or two seasons of young Rhaenyra and Alison. Yeah. That's just how telly's made now. You just don't get that. So 
you know, bearing that in mind, I think it's been so successful at, at what yeah. it's done. And the viewing figures are through the roof. I think the interest in the cast is amazing. What we were saying was like, also just can't wait to see who joins season two. I think there'll be some really good castings and I yeah. can't wait. Well, we'll delve into that in a future episode because as things stand, we, we, we've had chats with people. No one knows anything. There is no, you know, I'm sure that Ryan is already writing it. I'm sure that writing is happening, but there's certainly been no yeah. plans for when it's being shot, when casting's going to be done. None of that. We're still, we're still way off. And I would imagine a lot of that is down to waiting to see what the reaction is, even though the second, second season was commissioned, mm. um, was greenlit just before the premiere aired. I think they still waited to see just, just what was working. Cause that's the beauty of, of something like this. It is fluid and, and actors, and characters that that have resonated more will be lifted up in in, mm. in future seasons as well. In the same way that someone like I don't know Jesse Pinkman in Breaking Bad was only supposed to be around for kind of like three or four episodes. You know, who's been to stand out? I know a tough one. If you if you were in charge of the Emmys, who's your exactly. Emmy going to? Are you, I'll, I'll give you one. I'll give oh. yeah. I'll give you one. You can have one principal, one supporting. Okay, so best yeah. I think Paddy Considine has to be best lead. I think he just he anchored the show, and I think yeah. the part of the restlessness that you feel in the last couple of episodes is because you haven't got that sort of that presence there anymore. Um, I thought Paddy was amazing. Obviously, a little bit biased, uh, but I thought he was great. Supporting, I think, is Emma Darcy, and I think part of that is because I actually think what Rhaenyra has to do this season is a little bit more complicated than Alison. Alison is very like high energy, intense you know, breaking point. Rainier has been doing something a little bit murkier, which is having to balance like this passive energy with this anger. And I think especially the last two or three episodes, Emma Darcy's just been really outstanding. And I think even with no words in that final closing moments of season one, reacting to the news about Luke's death, I just thought were amazing. Uh, what would what would yours be? It's difficult to argue with that, actually. I thought, I thought Olivia Cook was was brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Like Olivia has been amazing. We knew Olivia was amazing. Emma for me has been amazing. And I just found them so mystic. And Mm. every scene that they were in, I I was quite scared of them. Mm. They've got a very ethereal quality, very sort of, very sort of fascinating to watch. And just in this episode as well, just how motherly Rhaenyra was and and how tender she was Rhaenyra as in she was the the stroke the little finger stroking Luke's hands the kind of like almost doing the collar Mm. and spitting on a handkerchief and and sending sending him off was just incredible and and I just I just I just found Emma's performance just to be really odd and I mean I mean odd in the best sense yeah completely the best sense um so for me it would be it would be it would be them definitely who who are you looking forward to seeing more of in season two that's in the cast that is a kind of that's a difficult one really because i think the obvious ones i'm looking forward to seeing more of amond i'm looking forward to seeing more of laris Mm -hmm. of course yeah and i'm looking forward to seeing where otto takes us yeah i think i'm I'm looking forward to like like you seeing the new ones i think that i don't think we've seen all of the main players yet yeah or certainly all, all, I think there's going to be some incredible casting done, like you said. So I'm not entirely sure, but th- I think out of, I think, I think all of the characters that are there now are kind of a pretty obvious ones to, to, to kind of like, I'm not sure there's a sneaky Pete, uh, that I'm kind of like, Oh, I think they're going to be great. Phil Daniels maybe is going to, 
do something. I don't know. It's, it's difficult to tell. Difficult to tell. Maybe one of the, the, the very young bastards is going to come along and just be just astounding. Yeah. I definitely definitely feel like I, I didn't get as much uh, Risa fans that I thought I would. I, I'm looking forward to more Otto, but I really want to see, I think that Harry Collar, who plays Jace, I think is, I'd love, to, I'd yeah. love to, him to have more to do. I read that he was in, he played Billy Elliot uh, in the West okay. End. And he has a bit of a, he has a bit of a Jamie Bell, Tom Holland. That is kind of, kind of like, yeah, and that I is think, the path to success, isn't it? Just getting yeah, to Billy Elliot. It is. It's yeah. the incubation station for young actors. And also Tom Glyn Carney, who plays oh. Egon the second. I saw, we got some really great bits from him last week. And I think he's such a complex, vile person who's also it, tormented. And I'm really excited to see. He that. looks the most fun to play. I would say, I think yeah. it must be great yeah. being Eamon because you just get to be an absolute prick. Just good. It's just great. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't wait. I can't wait. There's actually an interview with Ryan Condal on Variety this morning that says they're filming in spring. Well, this year. Wow. Uh, yeah, well, it's spring 23 oh, and <laughs> it's probably going to be 2024, but he won't confirm that it's not end of next year. I can't see it being end of next year. I can't either, but Ryan, Ryan, you, you, you can't clash with I'm a celebrity, mate. Can't be done. True. There's only so much. There's only so much drama as Brits can take. You know, one show involves shallow has beens fighting for attention, and the other one. Ah, hey! <laughs> oh dear. Well, listen. Chris, what an absolute pleasure. What an absolute pleasure it's been. Um, I, fe- I feel as though I just want to have a quick look on our YouTube channel and see, uh, read out some of the comments that have come through. <laughs> we had some great ones. Uh, I apologise in advance that my dog, I didn't realise Floyd the dog was sat with his bollocks <laughs> hanging out or what's left of his bollocks anyway, hanging out throughout the episode. So apologies. He's uh, also he's generated a bit of a fan uh, on there. But Powder Ground said, uh, was really happy. This podcast reached new heights in its dissecting of House of the Dragon. To spend five minutes analysing Laris cracking one out over Alison's feet was superb. Thank you very much. Not only was it funny, but not only was it funny, found myself nodding along and thinking, yep, yeah, that makes sense. I'd probably have done that too if I was him. See, that's what we're here for. <laughs> uh, Tormund Giant's Brain said, I was blown, and this is in reference to episode nine, I was blown away by the details in the coronation. It felt like watching Nicholas II being crowned in an orthodox ceremony with all the hollow pomp and circumstance of a rotting system. Oh, Yes. Loads of comments. Oh my goodness me, we did have a lot of them as well. And um, one question that we're asking with the uh, Abnabidu King Eric said, uh, "The people who burnt the White Worms building were Laris Clubfoot Strong's tongueless men," as he mentioned when exchanging the feet mm. information for information and service. There we go. Yeah, we did miss that last week, didn't we? Didn't quite. Yeah, yeah, I didn't I didn't pick up on that at all, at all. So we had a lovely email from uh, Lewis. Thank you very much for your email. Lewis says, uh, "Hi, Jamie, Chris, and team. Here's some suggestions on how we can keep going." Character-based episodes around Thrones or House of the Dragon, almost like a mini wisdom based solely on one character like Ned, or even a place such as Winterfell and what it's seen over the years. That's a good idea. You could do like a whole episode on like Ned or that. That's, yeah. you know what? Deep dives. Deep dives, Lewis. That's a great idea. And then he's, he's also put rewatching certain, certain Thrones episodes, could do a poll on Twitter to establish what the ton, top 10 episodes are and do a show based on them. That is not a bad shout. 
Oh, Barry Sanderson got in touch as well. Hey, Barry, thanks for emailing in. Uh, as we often said, no shot wasted. Uh, did we notice that a pan shot from the throne in episode nine showed us Viserys's sword already in the throne? Did you notice that, Chris? I think it was in the back. No, I didn't notice that. I think it, oh I think it was in the back. A- it was, I think it was in the back of the back. throne. That there was like a, such a good, good level of detail. Wow. He's also said, but it didn't look soldered in. I noticed that it didn't look like it had been welded in. It looked like it had just been kind of like shoved in there whilst they were waiting. You know, like when you win a cup and you have to wait mm. for your name to be engraved on it. So yeah. Barry's, Barry's suggesting that maybe his daughter may claim it. And uh, thought he's, he's put here, thoughts for filling the next couple of years till House of the Dragon 2 sexy socks? Oh, sexy socks. Ah, he's thinking of Laris. Looking back at Old Thrones. Right. Pulling out House of the Dragon references. There we go. That would be like all the Easter eggs. Mm. My only worry about that is that we might end up spoiling what happens yeah. in the Dance of the Dragons because they do reference it. It's there's some because in they didn't know when they did Game of Thrones that they would be a TV show based on some of this stuff. There are references. Could well, be interesting though. Yeah. I kind of think there's no such thing as a spoiler these days in the sense that this is all written about in oh, I don't source know. material. Mm. It's also all I'm like. Yeah. I think if we played the speech that Joffrey gave just before he died now, we'd lose a lot of listeners. We would. We would indeed. I don't think anyone But I think, it's, I think it's interesting. I'm trying to go in with an open mind. And like, you know, like I said, I sort of knew some stuff about this episode, but watching it, watching it is something else. Oh, it's been brilliant. Uh, and ditto, ditto with Paddy. I, we sort of knew, I knew he was going to die that episode yeah. when I met him. But seeing it is something else but yeah it's great however you take your spoilers however you take your spoilers i think it's been a great show to watch yeah absolutely Now, to celebrate uh, the uh, fantastic season finale of House of the Dragon, uh, my good friend at HarperCollins Publishers in the UK, hello, Natasha, uh, have sent us some amazing giveaways uh, to give to you guys as prizes uh, for listening to Dragoncast and supporting us. We have got, uh, let's have a look, we've got... George R. R. Martin, The World of Ice and Fire, the brand new book uh, co-written uh, with uh, Elio and Linda, uh, which is a kind of like compendium of all things House of the Dragon. It's full of spoilers, I would imagine. There's the book, also full of spoilers, George R. R. Martin's book, Fire and Blood, which is where House of the Dragon is getting all of its stuff from. And then we've also got a huge box set of all of the Game of Thrones books written by George, including, well, all of them, really, Feast of Crows, Dance of the Dragons, blah, blah, blah. All of them are there. And I would really very much like to give you one of those. And all you've got to do to win one is either comment below on the YouTube or send us a comment on Twitter at dragoncast underscore pod. You've got to follow us as well, though. And answer the following question. What fantasy TV show did George R. R. Martin write before he'd even written any Game of Thrones books? Give you a clue. It was a Disney adaptation. Okay. Once you've got the answer, go to at dragoncast underscore pod. Send us a little tweet. Follow us as well. Same for YouTube subscribe to the channel and send an answer in the comments i'll pick one and i'll dm you and we will get these out to you straight away and finally uh, we've got a whole long list of people to say thank you to um 
I know it must seem like it's just me and Chris just make this magic happen. Um, and as much as we'd like to take credit for, we could just take credit. We won't. We won't take credit for it. Um, a whole bunch of people have helped us out here. And we just wanted to say, as we're at the end of the House of the Dragon season, a uh, big, big shout out to Connor, who's our producer, who's been faithfully doing the notes and writing the wisdoms. Uh, he also works on Thronecast as well, that he couldn't be with us today. Otherwise, we'd get him on mic to say hello. But he's actually over at yeah. Sky with Sue, uh, recording uh, the Enter of the House of the Dragon episode that's going out uh, after the, the evening show in the finale tonight. I've already recorded my my bits and pieces. Uh, there's some good good wisdoms. There's a good wisdom coming your way, another dragon-based one coming your way there. So if you haven't seen that, uh, go and check it out. It'll be on Sky On Demand or on Now uh, On Demand 2. There's also another Connor, Connor with two ends. Connor Connor Driscoll, the producer, has one end. Connor North, Norcott uh, has two ends and he edits all of the YouTube videos. So, hey, Connor, thank you very much, Connor. Thank you for doing this. Um, and then the uh, the poor sausage that has to edit all the audio for the uh, for the audio podcasts is is Buddy Buddy Peace. Thank you to Buddy. Uh, he's been brilliant as well. And then behind the scenes, organising all of our interviews with Paddy and interviews further to come as well has been the fantastic Megan McLeod uh, from HBO, along with Tilly. We both love Megan, don't we, Chris? Huge fans. Big fan of Megan. Cast her for fans. season two, please. She is. <laughs> she would be HBO would be nowhere without Megan and Tilly uh, leading the fray. Uh, so thank you so much for all your help, guys, and also uh, at Sky as well to Zai. Uh, thanks, thanks Zai for your support. Thanks to all the uh, transistor. Uh, pals who make Thronecast. Thanks to Rachel and all of the Sky marketing and PR team uh, for not uh, telling me I couldn't make Dragoncast whilst being on Thronecast. Uh, but last but not least, Chris, babes, thank you. Oh, I didn't know I was getting a mention. Of course you're getting a really mention. Oh, of course you're getting a mention. Yeah, thank, you for, thank you for leading the charge. Ah. It's very very happy to be here. It's been fun. And, and, you know, yeah. we started this, it was, it was a bit of a last minute last minute idea to do this and I've been bowled over by the success of it. The listeners, the figures have reflected how popular the, the show is, uh, as all great spin-off shows do. And uh, yeah. every episode has had more and more and more and more listeners. We've been number one for most of our run. Apologies, Commode. Apologies to the official uh, HBO podcast. But you know what? You don't do a spin-off like the Brits do. Come and see us for season two. Yeah. Also, a massive thank you to everybody that appeared on Dragoncast as a guest. We really really punched above our weight could not believe yeah. uh so many cool people came on to speak to us um so right from the top elio and linda thank you very much terry white ricky haywood williams ian Beatty, oh uh, matt edmondson sue perkins mwah, my tv sister uh gavin stokes of course the wonderful paddy considine and just last week mr al murray all of them absolutely fantastic human beings and you should support them in every single endeavor with which they do so thank you all if you've been listening keep on listening uh, we'll be back in maybe later on this week, maybe early next week. We'll see with, with news and speaking to a few more people because House of the Dragon is going to be available on, on DVD and Blu-ray and all of that stuff. So there's a whole swathe of promo being done for that, which we are very happy to dragon back. But Chris, until then, <laughs> Dracarys, my friend, Dracarys. Until then. <laughs> Don't forget House of the Dragon airs exclusively on Sky Atlantic at 2am every Monday, then repeats that same evening at 10. You can also get it on demand via now. 
If you'd like to get involved in the podcast, just head over to Twitter at DragonCast underscore pod or email DragonCast at DaftDoris.com and leave us your Easter eggs, predictions and thoughts on the show. You can also watch this episode over on our YouTube channel. Just search for DragonCast Jamie East. Any support, whether it's a follow, a share, a mention to your friend on the bus or a tattoo on your backside is very much appreciated. Dragoncast is hosted by me, Jamie East, along with Chris Mandel, produced by Connor Driscoll, edited by Buddy Peace, and is a Daft Doris production. Dracaris. <laughs>